The reason that we're doing this series, Finding Refuge, is because it's been a big year uh, with COVID and, um, and elections both here and in the United States. Thank goodness uh, <laughs> both of those are behind us. Um, and, uh, and it's been very stressful, I think. It's, um, there's been, uh, it's been, we, we live in very divided times. Um, there's a lot of pain. Um, and, uh, you know, race relations stuff keeps, um, you know, the consequences of his- historical choices continue to reveal themselves and, and then the pain that people continue to live in. Um, and as I've been, uh, you know, as we've been doing the series, it's like not only has all that stuff been going on in our society, but um, again, anecdotally, as a pastor, I just know that most people this year have had a really tough year. So it's been really, really tough. And, uh, and lots of stuff's bubbled up to the surface, and a lot of people are working through deep stuff. And so I'm proud of the fact that we're working through deep stuff, but you've got to acknowledge it takes its toll. Like, it actually, it costs you. Uh, emotionally, uh, in terms of just the gas in the tank that you've got, it's gonna, it, there's, a, there's been a lot of output this year. And wisdom dictates that if you go through seasons like that, you need to recover. Society, no one will tell you to slow down. Everyone just expects you to keep producing and keep going. But we follow the one who says, come to me and rest. Come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will teach you what it looks like to rest well. So we've been exploring what does that look like to find a refuge in the God who wants us to find rest. And so this morning I want to explore how we can find refuge in the joy of the Lord. And uh, now this, some of you are like, oh no, Lord have mercy, I don't have it in me to hear a happy, clappy sermon on joy. As you've just mentioned, Harvey, tough year, you know, and I see you're wearing the monkey t-shirt that clearly indicates that you've got, you know, you're going you're gonna to be taking us a little ride here. I make my boys kiss the monkey when I wear this before they, I, when, I, when I drop them off at school, I'm like, kiss the monkey, you can't go into school and so have to kiss the monkey before they go into school anyway. So I want to find out, I want to explore this morning, oh, they're, 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 they'll work through that later in their life. Uh, I want to I explore uh, what, is, what does it look like to find refuge, and here's why, because when we find refuge in God, we are finding refuge in the one where the fullness of joy dwells. Like in, in His presence, there is fullness of joy. And so when we find a refuge in our God, we were finding refuge in the one who is the source of all joy. And, uh, and so as C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. So I want to talk this morning about how we can be people of joy. And I want to seriously look at the topic of joy this morning. Because joy is like when we one day are in the presence of God Almighty in that glorious place called heaven, it's going to be a place of indescribable, perpetual, constant joy. And so we are the people that believe that we are seeing that heavenly reality break into the present because Jesus has come establishing the kingdom of God. And it's a kingdom of joy. So what does it look like to take seriously the business of joy? In the midst of all of the stress and strain of your life, what does it look like to be a people of joy? To take take seriously the pursuit, the cultivation, the practice of joy. As it says in Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine. I honestly, I know that most of you guys have gone through really hard stuff this year, and I'm praying that there will be healing this morning for you as you get infused with godly joy. Amen? Okay, so here we go. We're going to, the text we're mainly going to look at is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, 
for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hundred years ago, Professor James Denny of Scotland um, called these three commands the standing orders of the gospel. The standing orders of the gospel. They are the standing orders because they apply to every Christian in every situation. Um, the Greek uh, makes this really clear. It's, it's, um, it's what they call the imperative tense. Now, this is the thing that annoys me about this passage, just straight off the bat, is I, I hate, uh, no, I don't hate this little strong. I struggle with the modifiers. I'm like, I would far rather it's say, you know, rejoice sometimes, pray occasionally, and give thanks when you feel like it. I struggle because I'm grumpy and I'm cynical and, you know, it's... Uh, I struggle with the, the, the always, the continually, in, the, in all circumstances. That's a mission. And then it says this massive statement that it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of us struggle with what's, you know, what is God's will for my life? And so often as we do that, we're thinking about what we do rather than who we are. The predominant focus in the epistles, New Testament, and the teaching of Jesus is not what we do, but it's who we become. And so if you want to know God's will for you in Christ Jesus is that you would be a person growing increasingly in joy and thanksgiving and in prayer, that somehow that would be more and more your predominant experience. So I want to talk about how we can find refuge in the joy of the Lord this morning. How can we step into this joy? And I want to call it this defiant joy. It's defiant joy often where it's like, I may be going through hell, I may be going through all sorts of stuff, but screw you, devil, you're not going to rob me of my joy. In fact, I'm going to choose joy to spite you. I'm not going to let you rob me of the joy that is found in the Lord. Um, so I want to I work out how we can do that. And uh, I was really moved as I've been preparing this from Isaiah 61. You know, that, uh, that Jesus... Um, he comes and he says this at the beginning of his ministry, that he's come to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So here's four ways I want to speak to that I think... Um, that we can help cultivate a defiant joy. Firstly, let's define what, what joy is, what a Christian perspective of joy is. And John Tyson uh, has given what I think is the, the most helpful explanation of Christian joy. He says this, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> We've got a lot of vocal, <laughs> We've got a lot of people agreeing with me over here. <laughs> Amen. So Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of God in the, world, in the word and in the world. How good's that? that? There's so much in the statement. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of God in the word and in the world. It enables us to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know God will use these experiences to accomplish his purposes in and through our lives. It anticipates a glorious future of salvation and restoration. So how can we step into this Christian joy? Here's four, four ways I want, to, I want to encourage us to do that. Firstly, that we'd find joy in his presence. 1 Thessalonians calls us to pray continually. The interesting thing about that 1 Thessalonians passage is that all three of those things, to rejoice always, to pray, pray continually and to give thanks, they're all intimately connected. They all lead to one another. And so when we choose, in, uh, Psalm, sorry, Psalm, uh, Psalm 16 verse 11 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. 
there's something when we come into the presence of God, when we intentionally come into His presence, that's so beautifully helpful. <laughs> and it's funny, a lot of Sundays, you know, I talk to people and it's like, I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. Like, you know, you, I don't know how much of a battle it was to come to church this morning, right? Often it is a big battle, um, but you made it. And then what happens when you come to church is that you start worshipping the Lord and you start uh, hearing His Word and it's like your, your gaze lifts from all the stuff that you, you're kind of going through and it gets lifted to the God above it all. And it gives perspective to what you're going through. And it's like for me, when I'm like you get into that private place of prayer or you come to church, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. And you know what? We're exactly like the Israelites. I look at the Israelites in the Old Testament and I'm like, how did you constantly walk away from God and the prophets would always hit you up that you've forgotten what he's done for you, right? And I'm like, you guys are Muppets, you're idiots. And then I look at my own life and I'm like, I'm exactly the same. Like, give me half a day and I've forgotten all of his goodness, all of the good things that he's done. I've forgotten his power, I've forgotten his faithfulness, I've forgotten his mercy and I've lost his peace. And I'm like, I go, I'm gonna work it all out by myself again and I'm completely stressed to the eyeballs. I keep forgetting. And then when I come into his presence... My gaze is lifted, and I'm looking at the one who's above it all. And, and as I said, uh, I then begin hanging out with the one who is filled with joy. And Jesus said in John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. What's Jesus saying in John 15? He's saying, Abide, remain in me. Stay close to me. Why is he telling you that? He's saying that because he wants his joy to be in you. You've got to come to the source of the joy. C.S. Lewis said this in Mere Christianity. Good things, as well as bad, you know, are caught by a kind of infection. Hashtag COVID, right? If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not the sort of prizes which God, if he chose, just would hand out to anyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. That is good. That's real good, right? That helps us to remember what God is like. That helps us. You know, as I've said many, many times, God has healed me of the view that says I need to hang out with him because it's good for me. It's the equivalent to eating broccoli, <laughs> right? How many of us spent, like, of, I should read my Bible and spend time with God because it's good for me. Yeah. Well, like, it's like when you start swapping that around and going, the, every epic experience of my life is like a pale imitation of the glory that comes from God, the source of it all, then why wouldn't you want to hang out with the source? Like, what, like this is where God, I think, wants to heal our image of Him, of who He is. That's why He sent Jesus, ultimately. It's that we would know what He's like, and He's filled with joy. Let's get close to Him. And uh, in Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Who remembers that song from back in the day? Who did the rounders? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then this, this and then you, now you guys, rejoice in the Lord always. And rejoice. Oh, and then hankies would come out and all sorts of It's just like, oh, the glory days. Paul's writing this from a prison cell. Paul's writing this from a place where the circumstances are rubbish 
And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Like Paul still has an inner giggle, even in the midst of all the horrible stuff he's going through, because he knows who he is. He's the source of all joy. He's been beaten up. He's been shipwrecked. How does he keep going? Part of the answer is found in this verse. Whatever was going on, he still rejoiced in the Lord. I've been researching this talk and uh, came across this lovely um, uh, Presbyterian minister, Ray Pritchard. He said, some people seem to receive far more than their share of pain. I, I so resonated with that as I was thinking of our congregation. We will never be able to give thanks always without the Holy Spirit's help. Left to ourselves, the pain of life will drive us to bitterness and ultimately to despair. But when we factor God into the equation, when we rest upon the rock of his sovereignty, then and only then do we have the grounds for saying, thank you, Lord, no matter what happens to us. As hard as it may be to rejoice always, what is the alternative? That we give in to despair and anger? Like that's the other option. And I'm like, no, I want to keep choosing. I want to keep choosing you, God. I want to rejoice in who you are and what you have done for me. That because of you, when I am weak, you are strong. That your grace is sufficient for me in every situation. That nothing can separate me from the love of God. That my salvation is secure in Him. That there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. That the blood of God, of Jesus Christ, cleanses us from every sin. That the Holy Spirit is with us always. That we're God's children even when our faith falters. That while we may suffer, we're being inwardly renewed day by day and that our light and momentary troubles are achieving an eternal weight of glory for us. And on and on and on we can go about who He is and what He has done. And what I want to say to you today is, is I think we need to kill the emotional atheist in us. Like, do you believe some of the stuff I've just read out? Not as a theological reality, but just as something deep within you that you truly believe. Because if you truly believe it, then our emotions should actually follow suit and be like, if, like, if, <laughs> if I'm saved and one day I'm going to heaven and if you're working for good and if the God of the universe is with me and all the rest of it, lotto and Powerball are nothing compared to what I have found in you. And therefore I should be so filled with joy. And so I've been like, uh, this week, because you know, I'm, I'm a week ahead of you guys. <laughs> I've been processing this for a week now. I'm like, I'm going to kill the emotional atheist in me. I want my emotions to believe. And therefore, predominantly, there's a lot of joy that starts flowing out from inside of you when you're like, this is who I am in Jesus. And it doesn't matter what rubbish I'm going through and all the challenges, I have found my joy in the Lord. Defiant joy. How deep have these truths sunk for you? Have you truly meditated on them so they aren't a distant theology, but a hope that burns in your heart, a joy that is deep within you? Tim Keller says, unless you have this joy, you will rely on worldly happiness based on favorable circumstances, which is so fragile. You will not have Christian joy unless you have, experience, uh, you have experiences of the love of God direct to your heart through prayer. So this morning, uh, I'd invite you as we take communion and as we worship to say, Lord, I want to get close to you and I want to kill the emotional atheist so that I feel the joy of the Lord about who I am in him once more. Secondly, um, uh, we can uh, cultivate this joy and find refuge in it by being present to the gift of this day, the gift of today, intentionally choosing to, to, to be present to the gift. In Psalm 118 verse 24, it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We sang that earlier this morning. 
I think often we live under the illusion that one day conditions for rejoicing will be perfect and when conditions are right, then I will finally be able to rejoice. I think we live with this lie. I don't know if you guys remember this movie Click back in the day, but this is effectively the idea behind this movie is that during tough bits of life, he would just hit fast forward and his life would fast forward past that tough bit. It just meant that whenever those tough bits came up again, he would automatically get fast forwarded through that part of his life. And before you know it, he's missed most of his life. And he's realised that actually the ups and downs and all the rest of it, that's actually part of the beauty and the, and the richness of life. It's not just the high points. And so it's, a, it's one of Adam Sandler's better movies. And, um, and the reality is that conditions will never be perfect. That suffering, is, uh, some of you guys are in the midst of suffering. Suffering will come. That's the, we live in a fallen world. But here's the mentality I think we want to have, is that we were born, we will die, and everything in between is grace. Everything in between is grace. It's just a gift. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so celebration is often a decision. It's a choice. And it is wise for us to make that choice because joy makes us strong. We want to rejoice in this day and all that he has made. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, seek first, uh, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And he, and he emphasizes this a lot in his ministry. He says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is constantly calling us to be present to this very moment. And so it would serve us well to learn what it looks like to rejoice today, to rejoice in this moment, to look around and go, I want to have the fullness of life and I want to, uh, to savour in this. It's good that we're here today. We're here together as a church family. And I've been like frothing for a couple of days now. Oh, I can't wait for the tribe to get together, you know. And it's like, here we are and we get to savour this moment you know, and, and there's so much joy to be found when we choose to be present to what's happening right in this moment. You know, I can look at Luke's face and have a good laugh. Aren't you funny, God? Look at how you made him, you know? And we can rejoice in him. I loved last week when I was, um, you know, I was editing the video and Beth comes up here and kicks the water all across the stage and all the rest of it and everyone's, and all the little shenanigans that were happening last week. I was like, oh, mate, you know, the pastor goes away for one Sunday and all everyone gets all little. And I was I just love it, all the silly business and the ridiculous stuff. We can choose joy. We can choose to be present to today. Tomorrow's got trouble, sure, but I'm not going to spend mentally my time tomorrow, I want to train my brain to be present to this very moment and to rejoice in the day that the Lord has made and to be glad. Thank you for this gift. I don't want to live with click, click, click. I'm waiting for the next thing. I'm waiting for the next thing. I want to learn to be deeply present to the joy and the beauty and the gift and the grace of this moment. Thirdly, I think, I have no idea, uh, gratitude. Um, so we've looked at, what have we looked at? Finding joy in his presence, finding joy in the gift of today. Thirdly, finding joy in gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5 says to give thanks continually. Gratitude fundamentally changes how we see the world. The scientific research around gratitude is absolutely staggering in terms of how it rewires your brain. That's my gratitude journal on the, the pink um, thing that I write it on every day. And, and many, of, uh, 
Like we swim in this world where pop culture advertising and social media constantly remind us of what we should have to be truly happy. The dream job, conventional attractiveness, a soulmate, whatever gadget that you're longing for, whatever it may be. You are filled with that constantly. And, the, and, and Paul in 1 Thessalonians calls us to give thanks continually, to practice gratitude. And so uh, I've said this lots of times. I'm going to give another plug. Like practicing gratitude, writing down things that you're grateful for is one of the most transforming spiritual disciplines you can have to help you grow in being content, to help you grow in, in, in joy, and to, uh, to help rewire you in terms of what you're looking for in the world. Uh, because often we're looking for what we don't have, but gratitude helps us get a little gratitude antenna looking around going, what can I be grateful for? And so uh, a bunch of folks have started taking me up on this challenge and going, I'm going to write, I'm going to practice gratitude. And it's just so brilliant uh, in terms of how it changes your brain. Um, I've said this a few times. I'm going to keep on saying it. I love my, I've loved my lawn like I've, I just, it's weird. I have a love for my lawn that I've never had in my whole life. It's like, it's, it's featuring constantly my gratitude journal. I love it. And it's because I've worked on it. I've done the little fertilizer, I've done the weed and spray thing, and I've done like, you know, and I, um, you know, I cut it not too low, right? So, do you, you know, you've got to get, in fact, Jen's suggesting a cut. But the number of, the, I don't know how many minutes or, or hours I've spent with a cup of coffee just looking at my lawn. <laughs> Now, I wasn't like that two or three years ago. I was distracted. I was wanting the next thing. And it's like there's something that's been changed in my neurological pathways to soak in little things that really fill my tank with joy. Isn't this beautiful? Now, I'm not, it's not pantheism. I'm not worshipping creation. It just is this, it's this reflection of the beauty of God. It's like, aren't you amazing that you came up with that? That's incredible. It's so beautiful. Look how green it is. And you've given us nitro things, to whatever it is, you know, the, the fertilizers. Very clever. You know, and, and it's great. And a little lawn mower. And it's like, you just start getting stuff. And then it's like, and then you just got to, like, you look up and you look at the tree and you're like, that's unreal. That's incredible. Aren't you amazing? And then as I say, then Luke will pop around and I look at his face and I'm like, you're so funny, God. That's ridiculous. I can't believe you did that. That's amazing. <laughs> and it just helps. Like your gratitude antenna changes the way that you, your brain is wired. Give thanks continually. Let's practice so that our, increasingly, as every year goes past, our brain just keeps going to that place of like, wow, wasn't that great? Isn't, it, isn't, isn't that person amazing? I was thinking uh, about some of my friends. Like, I've been friends with Gemma and Andy for, um, for 20 years, I think. And, um, and, and I was like, man, Gemma just is the best at making you feel like a million dollars in terms of your self-esteem. Because she just laughs at everything that you say. She's laughing now. I haven't even said anything. And it's like, and I just love it. And I'm like, Gemma, you're just, she just fills my heart with joy because I'll say anything. And she thinks it's the funniest thing ever. And it's not just me. Anything anyone says, she thinks is brilliant. I'm like, I'm so grateful that Gemma's one of my friends. And then her husband, Andy, you know what I love about Andy? His laugh. His laugh is brilliant. And his eyes squint up. Look, he's a little squinty with his eyes. And he's got one of the best, he's got one of the best laughs ever. I'm like, I want your laugh one day, Andy. And it's like when you start, see what I'm saying? You start training your brain 
to do what Paul's instructing us to do, it's life-changing in terms of how you see the world. Now, I'm having a giggle at my lawn and a giggle at Luke's face and all the rest of it in the middle of pain, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of grief on certain things. It doesn't mean that my life's peachy and there's no dramas. I've got stacks of stuff going on in my life. Personally, in our church, I know so much, but I'm like, that doesn't mean I don't, I'm not gonna walk in joy. It's defiant joy. It's in spite of all that stuff, I'm not gonna let my life be miserable. I'm not coming under that. I'm coming under your lordship and you're the king of kings, the lord of lords, and you're the source of all joy. Aaron's moustache for another thing if you wanna have a get going. Anyway, fourth thing is this. Fourth thing is this. If, if you wanna get in a space of joy, choose uh, laughter as a catalyst. Like you can choose laughter. Laughing is a great gift and it's not only the result of joy, it can actually lead us to joy. Now laughing isn't the joy of the Lord, it's a fruit of the joy of the Lord. But you know, sometimes, in in marriage counselling sometimes, I'll say to, normally the dude, um, It's like, you know, oh, I don't feel you know, like a, you know, this normally when they're at four or five years and it's like the zing's worn off, or whatever, and it's like, oh, I don't feel you know, like I did when we first met. And I'm like, A, that's just culture telling you you've got to feel like that's just, that's shallow love. It's not agape love. It's not deep love. But secondly, if, uh, if you want to express love, don't be led by your emotions, just choose it. So do, so just like, what do, I'll say, you know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad Jen's away this weekend. Oh, and hopefully she's too busy this week to look at the podcast, but I'm like, <laughs> at my best moment, <laughs> once every blue moon, I'll be like, I'm just going to buy Jen flowers, and s- not, not because I'm feeling, all, oh, I love her so much, because I want to choose just to, to love her. And then often the emotions follow. Often it's like it follows. So often in marriage counseling, things are really tricky. I'm like, just start doing what you used to do, even though you don't feel like doing it, and just see what happens to your marriage. Just for a, for, for a month, just you know, notes, cards, you know, flowers, whatever, just choose to do it. And then often the emotions start following. All the, all the, all the, all the boys hate me right now, eh? <laughs> oh, you mongrel, you muppet, oh, you've just wrecked my week. So laughing often is choosing the fruit of joy, even when we don't feel the joy, and can often lead us to actually feeling the joy. So we step into it. Spurgeon, uh, Charles Spurgeon said it brilliantly. He says, Oh, dear friends, you may rejoice. God has laid no embargo upon rejoicing. He puts no restriction upon happiness. Do believe it, that you are permitted to be happy. Do believe that there is no ordinance of God commanding you to be miserable. So he's talking to a church back then where it was all a bit somber, you know. Um, so choosing, now um, science, again, a lot of science behind this. And so I've, I've asked, um, I just thought it was a great video of, of a well-respected um, British intellectual to help us understand this. So if you want to play this clip, uh, that helps us kind of get ahead of this. When you laugh, your brain releases endorphins, yeah? Your stress hormones are reduced and the oxygen supply to your blood is increased. So you feel, I try and laugh several times a day just because it makes you feel good. So let's, let's try that. Ooh, eh? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> come on, trust me, you'll feel... <laughs> Yeah. 
I've spent way too much time this week looking up videos that helped me. Like, anyway, so here's my thing. Like, what makes you giggle? To start getting a whole lot more of that in your life, thus saith the Lord. Start getting a whole lot more of that in your life. Next slide. Um, so here's some of the stuff I've just been getting into. Uh, I've said this a lot of times. Hamish and Andy podcast, I do this as a spiritual rhythm. I'm like, I listen to these guys religiously every week because they crack me up. And you know, when you start laughing, the sooner our parkyard guys, it's like we all get very like, ooh, <laughs> I'm like, if you're in the car on your own, just lose it. Go for it. I'm like, I'm going to laugh and then I'm just not going to care because no one else in the car. I'm going to choose to linger in this and get a little ridiculous in terms of how much I'm giggling even if I'm on my own listening to Amish and Andy, right? Michael McIntyre, he for me gets me giggling. So I'm like, you know, all that sort of stuff. And here's the thing. This is what I've, uh, and Ron Cannoli, oh, Lord have mercy, I'm going to play you some Ron Cannoli in the Everyone's like, oh, that's not very spiritual, all this stuff. I'm like, well, Ron Cannoli, to save the day. He fills me, he's not a comedian. Is a worship leader fills me with joy when I listen to his stuff. And so I don't know what it is for you, but, uh, and here's what I'm going to do this week. Now, I'm away this week being very spiritual at a, at a monastery, the Kaupua Monastery. So I'm going to be away and out of cell phone thing till Thursday. But what I've done is I've scheduled on our private page every single day, I've scheduled a silly video. And it's Silly Video Week in Bay Vineyard Church. And so every single day from Monday to Friday at 8.30 a.m., a new video is going to come online. And I'm, I'm telling you as your pastor, you need to look at them, okay? Very, the first one's a little long, uh, but so whatever. But, and one of them's like one minute long. But they're just uh, silly videos. And it's Silly Video Week in Bay Vineyard Church, okay? So post your own videos, send them via direct messenger, stupid gifts. Whatever you want to do, let's lean into the side of things as a spiritual thing because it's healing, it's the joy, it's that cheerful heart's good medicine. It's actually how do we find a refuge in the joy of the Lord? We've got, to, we've got to choose and get into environments of joy, and then we start tapping into the deeper joy of the Lord. It's like a gateway drug laughing to get us into that space where we begin to uh, really, uh, really soak in it. Now, um, there's a book which I haven't read, but in my research for the sermon I came across called Divine Sex by Jonathan Grant. What an awesome book straight away. I'm going to make Jen read there. And so um, <laughs> one of the, no, <laughs> no, and no, I know, oh, I'm just going to stop right there. Yeah, here's, here's, in, the, here's in the book, here's in the, oh, this is on, this is on a podcast and online. Right, Neuro, here, this is amazing though. Neurobiologists have shown that while most brain activity stops sometime, development stops sometime, not activity, <laughs> Well, neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development stops sometime in childhood, the brain's joy center, located and observable in the right orbital prefrontal cortex, is the only part of the brain that never loses its capacity to grow. As Dr. James Friesen and his colleagues explain, when the joy center has been sufficiently developed, it regulates emotions, pain control, and immunity center. It guides us to act like ourselves. It releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, and it is the only part of the brain that overrides the main drive centers, food and sexual impulses, terror and rage. Without sufficient joy strength, we spend the rest of our lives trying to fill the deficit. That is huge. That's huge. We aren't talking about, you know, some, I'm not, trying to preach some light message. 
you know, because it's been a tough year. I'm talking about stuff that is deeply transformative and the science backs it. Jesus was right. Paul was right. Living in such a way we were rejoicing, we were praying, and we were giving thanks, it, it shapes, it totally changes how our brain is wired and it gives us joy, strength. So when those other things come and say, find a refuge in me, we can say, I have a sufficient joy. I have a strength of the joy of the Lord so that when those things come and tempt me to find escape in them, there's, it's like it's, it's lost its potency. Those centers have been overridden by the joy that's in me. And so uh, for the rest of your life, you can cultivate joy. Even the most grumpy, pessimistic, cynical curmudgeon um, around here, <clears throat> uh, through spending time with our wonderful God in whom dwells the fullness of joy, we can grow increasingly in joy by being present to the moment, by being present to, to his presence every day, by practicing gratitude and by just getting our giggle on, by just getting our giggle on. Uh, I finished with this last night. Um, uh, I had um, a lot of fun. I was on my own. And, uh, and I've got an awesome home theater. I've talked about this a lot. And for whatever reason, um, I, went, I was watching this YouTube video, uh, a fantastic hour-long thing on rockets, which I get really interested in. Uh, and then, um, you know, I was like, oh, what are we going to watch next? And he recommended on the thing came up some Ron Cannoli. From, uh, and so I was like, oh, I have a little look at Ron Cannoli. And then I, got, I, I just got real into it. Like I, I was like, oh, that's it. I've got to watch all of his concert again, singing out my favourite concert ever. And Sam had a praise party of one last night at 54 Rogers Road. It was awesome. The neighbours now know what Ron Cannoli sounds like. like. It was full noise. And honestly, I, I had tears of joy last night, just tears of joy. But the other thing that was interesting for me is that it, it became intercessory. Because as I was there on my little couch, overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord and, and his presence last night, I began, it's like the Lord just brought to mind some of the people in our church who I know are going through real suffering and, uh, and going through very, very painful times. And it was almost like, it was like Isaiah 61 began to, to just once more, as I read earlier, it just began to, I began to speak this out over their lives. A crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I just began just almost like this intercessory thing came out and I began crying tears of joy, but in an intercessory way. I can, I've never had this before. And I want to play you just a little uh, one minute clip because, you know, how could you not? Of, and for me, let's play it and I might, I might talk over it, we'll see. But this is... The second one. Oh, I'm an hour in at this point. I ain't gonna let no rock out praise me.
heaven. And literally heaven. I'm like, Lord, the first hundred years, that on repeat, please. Same band, same choir. Just I want to be there and I want to savour it in your goodness. But also there was something of, you know, we start our service every week with two songs of praise. We do not do that for the kids as much as I love that they love it. We do it because we aren't here to build some culture that reflects our world. We're here to build a culture that reflects the kingdom of God. It's a wedding feast. It's joy. And I, you know, as I love Beth and Paul and, and, and what they bring to our church and what our worship leaders bring to our church. And it's like, I'm not by nature a guy that wants to praise God. I'm cynical and grumpy on that curmudgeon I'm talking about. But there's something that breaks through that the spirit of this age that sets me free and heals me in the midst of my pain, in the midst of the challenges, it's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. I'm going to have to link that video. That's just so good. Just the joy. And it's, as I say, not because my circumstances are perfect, but because he's worthy. And there's something like defiant about the joy of the Lord. So even in the midst of the challenging circumstances, I'm going to choose to praise you. So this morning, we're going to go into a time of praise and worship. And, um, and, but I want to encourage you to lean into and to, and to lean into that, to, to, to choose to, to develop a private world of prayer so that you spend time with the source of joy, that you choose to be present every day to the grace and the beauty that is, is with you, that you would practice gratitude that would reshape your worldview and that you'd choose to have a laugh at the smallest whiff of an opportunity, you would have a giggle, that you'd position yourself in places that would see you filled with joy.